0: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. The job retention scheme opens. The grants they'll receive will help pay the wages
3: of more than a million people.
2: A cautious reopening in Germany.
3: Mrs. Merkel warned on Monday. This is only the first step in getting the virus under control.
2: And why school closures may be widening the attainment gap. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. More than 140,000 companies applied to the government's furlough scheme in the first eight hours of its launch. Designed in just two days and delivered in four weeks, the job retention scheme will help pay up to 80% of the wages of more than a million people in the UK. The Chancellor confirmed firms will start receiving support in six days' time. But in a country where former Prime Minister Theresa May famously told nurses there was no magic money tree... Where's the money coming from? I put that question to The Telegraph's financial services reporter, Michael O'Dwyer.
1: The simple answer is that the government will have to borrow the money. Its size and strong reputation for repaying money that it borrows means that it's able to get money much more easily and at lower interest rates than most companies can. But all of this cash will eventually need to be repaid, and the burden of doing so will fall on all of us as taxpayers. How much would it cost? Well, that depends on how many businesses use the scheme and how long it goes on for. Last week, the Office for Budget Responsibility, that's basically the government's spending watchdog, estimated that the cost could come to £42 billion. The scheme is currently set to run until the end of June, but there are already calls from businesses to extend it, until August perhaps, to prevent firms making thousands of people redundant when it ends. The government has promised to do whatever it takes to keep businesses going – but it knows it cannot pay workers' wages indefinitely. All of this leaves Chancellor Rishi Sunak with a difficult balancing act between, on the one hand, trying to minimise the human and economic harm in the short term, and on the other hand, a bill that could mean higher taxes or less money to spend on public services like health and education in the future.
2: Germany is among the European countries starting to ease their lockdowns. Alongside Denmark and the Czech Republic, the country allowed some shops, car dealerships and cycling stores to reopen from Monday. Germany's been widely lauded for its rigorous testing regime and comparatively low death rate. Just over 4,500 people have died, despite confirming over 145,000 cases. That's 25,000 more cases than the UK. The Telegraph's Justin Hugler reports from Berlin.
3: The shops began to reopen in Germany on Monday as the country started to lift its lockdown. But it's a slow and cautious process and Angela Merkel called on people to remain disciplined and continue to observe social distancing. Germany declared the crisis manageable last week after its scientists announced it had achieved a key target. The reproduction factor, the number of people each person with the virus passes it on to, has been brought below one for the first time. Hospitals are to return to a normal footing from the start of May, and non-emergency surgery will resume. With temperatures soaring, Berlin is even to reopen its two zoos, so families have somewhere to take children. But Mrs Merkel warned on Monday this is only the first step in getting the virus under control. Germany must not rush to lift the lockdown too soon, she said. Restaurants and nightlife are still shut down except for takeaways, and a travel ban remains in place. Several German regions have made the wearing of face masks compulsory while shopping and on public transport. The first city in Germany to impose face, Jena, has recorded no new infections for 11 days, and entire regions are now rushing to follow its lead. But there are concerns at a patchwork of regulations around the country, as Germany's 16 states each interpret the new rules differently.
2: David Attenborough is adding geography teacher to his already lengthy CV as he starts as the nation's new supply teacher over the lockdown. He's joining actress Jodie Whittaker, Manchester City footballer Sergio Aguero and former Shadow Chancellor Ed Balls who will all be delivering online classes while schools are shut via the BBC's new virtual learning programme. Today, millions of pupils would have returned to class for the first day of term after the Easter holidays, but the government so far refused to give a timeline for when schools might reopen. It comes as a new study suggests two-thirds of children haven't taken part in any online lessons during the lockdown. The poll by the Sutton Trust and Public First found that pupils at private schools were more than twice as likely to have received online tuition as their state school peers. The Telegraph's education editor Camilla Turner says the findings will likely fuel fears that the poorest children will fall the furthest behind. We can see there's
0: a big difference in the the amount of work that that different schools are setting their children to do. And even when you take that aside, even if schools were setting children the same amount of work, which they're not, there's also a big difference in the amount of work that children are able to do depending on what kind of resources they have at home. So not all households have a laptop or some people might need to be sharing one computer with everyone in the house and parents might need it to work on as well. So schools can't be sure that all the children have equal access to the same sorts of things. There's also an issue with internet, how high speed the internet connection is or whether they have it at all and how much encouragement children are getting from their parents to actually get on and do this schoolwork because some parents might be very busy working or some might not have the kind of the wherewithal or the ability to assist their children with work so there really is quite a a great deal of concern among ministers and among schools about just how much the gap will widen between rich and poor children during this time.
2: The World Health Organisations warned that Africa could become the next epicentre of the coronavirus outbreak. UN officials also say it's likely the pandemic will kill at least 300,000 people across the continent and push nearly 30 million into poverty. The official data shows Africa is still the continent least affected by the pandemic, but the past week has seen a sharp rise in cases. The continent now has over 22,000 confirmed, but low levels of testing mean the true number could be much higher. More than a third of Africa's population lacks access to adequate water supplies, and nearly 60% of those who live in cities live in overcrowded slums, conditions where the virus could thrive. Emily van der Merve is an economist with the South Africa-based Brenthurst Foundation and co-author of the book The Asian Aspiration, Why and How Africa Should Emulate Asia. She says African countries have fewer options on how to respond to the pandemic than their Asian counterparts.
4: Lockdown in some places just isn't an option. And we have a very stark economic trade-off to closing our economies. And I, I know this is true everywhere, but it is kind of more true here, considering the inequalities, considering the dependence on the informal economy for many people, which is now just decimated. So taking that into account, how Asia responded to crisis um, historically was to use it as an opportunity and this is a blanket statement of course but is to use it as an opportunity for reform. If we could use this crisis in the way that Singapore used its breakaway from Malaysia or the way Japan used its turnaround from the second world war which is to focus very acutely on the reforms necessary then Africa could get out of this crisis stronger. So, what does that look like? For South Africa, it means reforming our focus on the state as the main engine of growth and instead turning to the private sector to be a partner in growth and job creation. That's one example. In every country, it will look a bit different, but it means coming to a crossroad and saying this crisis is an opportunity for important economic reform.
2: As baking seems to have become the seemingly inescapable hobby of the nation, I think I might be the only person who's yet to bake a banana bread. More time at home and more time in the kitchen means many of us find ourselves snacking more often than we otherwise might. And this afternoon, I got an email from a listener called Sam asking for advice on how to stop snacking while she works from home. Sam, clearly we are suffering from the same problem because before you even emailed me, I spoke to Dr. Adam Carey, CEO of Core Life, and I asked him just that reassuringly i suppose he says that we're not alone
0: when we're at home we're close to the fridge and one of the people things that i often hear people say is that they find themselves going to the fridge to snack and that's often because um, your body's not very good at telling the difference between when you're hungry and when you're thirsty most of food is made up of actually water and so your body doesn't really mind where you get the water from as long as you're getting some so if you stay really well hydrated that will help control things like your appetite
2: If you have a question you'd like us to answer or a topic you think we should address on the podcast, email me. It's coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and I'll be back on Tuesday evening with another update. In the meantime, you can access all of our news, analysis and advice completely free for 30 days. Go to telegraph.co.uk slash audio.